Nearly 200 years ago, an audacious group of Jesus followers started First Christian Church. Where today, week in and week out, the Word of God is preached, the Lord is worshiped, as we develop into more fully devoted followers of Jesus through growing and serving together, we believe God is calling us to do whatever it takes to further ministry, reach our community, and tell the world. It's time for us to rise up and declare we're committed to do whatever it takes. Hey church, how are you? Hope your uh, fall is going well, winter is coming, and uh, in, uh, in our house, uh, fall is always a busy time of year, and there's a lot going on, even in ministry life, just a lot happens in the fall. And uh, last Sunday, there was kind of a rare moment where it was quiet in our house and I had the house to myself. Can I get an amen from any other parents of young kids in the room? And uh, Annie was out of the house, the kids were down for a nap, so I did what, of course, you would do on a Sunday afternoon like that, and I laid on the couch to take a nap, because uh, that was the holiest thing I could do in that moment. And uh, I laid on the couch, and I was, again, just to be clear, if Annie asks, I was paying bills, I was vacuuming, doing laundry, all that kind of stuff. But I was laying on the couch, and I put on a movie. Uh, I was gonna watch a football game, but the only game on at the time was the Bears game. Wouldn't waste my time doing that, so I decided to throw on a movie. <laughs> It's fine, it's okay, I lost some of you, but that's okay. This message is only for the Christians in the room anyways, so. <laughs> and uh, so I threw on a movie, and uh, I'm a big fan of movies, and especially sci-fi movies. It's kind of like one of my favorite genres to watch in movies, and one of my favorite movies in recent years has been the movie Interstellar, I'm not sure if you've seen it. Uh, but it kind of checks off a lot of the boxes for me of movies I like, right? It's like science fiction, it's got like space and NASA, which I can nerd out on, and it's got a killer cast of actors and actresses, the director's great, and a big fan. I'm about to spoil the movie for you, but it's like 10 years old, so that's your fault. And, uh, but uh, basically the premise of the movie is that uh, Earth is basically coming to an end. They can't live there anymore, plants aren't growing, crops aren't growing, that kind of stuff. And, uh, so the NASA has to send astronauts into space to kind of find a new place, new world to call home. And Matthew McConaughey, who's the main character, uh, he's a NASA pilot. And there's a point in the movie that's kind of like this climactic moment where he has this ultimatum choice to make. And uh, he's deep in space and he has to decide, is he gonna press forward with the mission or is he gonna turn around and return back home? Like, is he gonna go back home where he can see his family again, or is he gonna continue on with the mission where he'll probably never see his kids again and may lose his life in the process? And it's that kind of moment, that kind of tension scene that we love to see in movies. And the next day on Monday, I was just, I was spending some, some time with Jesus, getting my head and heart right for the day and for the week, and I was having that moment, maybe you've had it before, where I was like praying, but I kept getting distracted, and my mind's going a thousand miles in different directions, and I'm like, God, I'm like the worst at praying. I'm thinking about interstellar right now as I'm trying to sit quietly in your presence. And, and I realized, I felt like God was trying to teach me something through this movie, because so I was just reflecting on how, and some of, this isn't new for some of you, maybe you heard me say something like this before. I just, I feel like in times of my life, when it feels like uh, my faith or my belief in God, doing what he wants me to do, is in contrast with some of the things that I want. Like I, feel, I feel like my faith is competing with my other priorities. That if I'm gonna do what God wants in my life, be a part of the mission he wants me to be a part of, then I'm saying no to lots of other things. And we love to see that in movies, right? We love to see that scene, right, where everything's hanging in the balance and they have to choose. And the good guys, right, they always do the right thing, 
They always choose self-sacrifice for the greater good. And it looks great. It's great on scene. It doesn't feel as fun in real life, though. And have you felt that tension before? Have you ever felt that before in your life where you felt like your faith was competing with your other desires or your other plans or your other priorities? Maybe for you when it comes like relationships, maybe you're single and dating or you're single and you feel like choosing a life of faithfulness to God and what he wants for your life has meant you've had to say no to or not have some of the things that you've wanted in your life. Maybe you're married and you know that being a uh, godly husband or wife means you have to put your spouse before yourself, which requires a lot of sacrifice and humility and you've had to say some no to some things that you don't wanna say no to, or maybe when it comes to your career, like you've had this vision in your mind of what your life would look like, what your future would be, these future lifestyle or decisions, and you know, you're like, you know, if I'm gonna do what God wants me to do with my life, I'm probably gonna have to say no or watch some of those dreams die. Or with your kids, if you have kids, maybe for you it's, you know, man, there's so many activities and so many things going on in sports, and you just feel like at times your faith and Jesus is competing with your other priorities. You know, we're in a, a series right now, we're actually in week three, you're catching us right in the middle of it called Whatever It Takes. If you've been around, you've heard us say that this is a series for six weeks, but really this is kind of like a launching pad for us for the next couple of years of where we believe God is leading us, this initiative that he's leading us in. And really the heart of whatever it takes is that God was willing to do whatever it takes to meet us where we are to give us an opportunity at life and life to the fullest. That he sent his son, Jesus, for us. That he did whatever it took to come meet us where we were so that we could have life in him. And that for hundreds and thousands of years, the church of Jesus has continued this mission forward, doing whatever it takes to reach the lost in the name of Jesus. And for 189 years, our, our expression of the church, our local church, First Christian Church here in Decatur, for 189 years, we've been doing whatever it takes to reach our city in the name of Jesus. And now we believe for the months and years ahead that we want to do the same. We wanna do whatever it takes to further ministry through our church, in our city, and around the world. Brian said this great thing last week, if you caught it. Uh, he said when it comes to this whatever it takes initiative, that, we, that God doesn't want something from us, but he wants something for us. He doesn't want something from us, but he wants something for us. And I believe this to be true, I believe scripture makes this clear. And when I think of whatever it takes, I get excited about this, I get excited that God does want something for me in this, and I'm excited about going to the ends of the earth, whatever it takes, but like I said, it also makes me a little nervous, and I also struggle to believe it, because it feels like faith has already taken a lot of things from me. But it feels like, I don't know, what do I have left to give God? And not just like finances, I just mean like my time and my energy and my desires. Like, Jesus, what do you want from us in this moment? What do you want from us now? If you have a Bible with you, I'd love to encourage you to open uh, to Colossians chapter three. Uh, it'd be great if you could turn there. Some of it will be on the screen, not all of it. We'll be there for just a few minutes. And uh, now's also a great time, too, if you have your guidebook. Hopefully you have one of these, brought one of these with you. It's a great time. You can turn to page 34. Uh, on 34, there's a section here where you can... Uh, uh, for this week, you can take some notes there. There's also some resources and stuff, and you're gonna wanna take some notes because I'm gonna say a lot of things you're gonna wanna write down so you can fact check later. 
and uh, that's okay, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Maybe you're in a small group, maybe you're in a mentoring relationship and uh, you wanna capture some things there. And if you don't have one of these, uh, you can get one of these on your way out today. You can stop at the whatever it takes booth area. You can ask anyone with a lanyard. They'd be happy to get you one. And in Colossians 3, as you're turning there, I just wanna set it up for you quickly, some quick context. Uh, Colossians is written by a guy named Paul. Paul was a preacher, he was a church planter, a church leader, and he wrote a bunch of letters to these churches to encourage them and to instruct them. And uh, he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, a Roman city. And uh, he didn't start this church, he didn't plant this church, someone on his ministry team was a part of planting this church, but he's heard some things about them that kind of bother him a little bit, so he's writing this letter, like he does with a lot of letters, to kind of encourage them and to instruct them, to correct some faulty thinking. See, because he knew in Colossae that there was so many things that they could be believing. Like in Colossae, there's, there's tons of different religions they could follow. They had gods for everything. They had temples and idols and statues for all kinds of things. And Jesus was just one of many possible options for them. The people in Colossians, they were, the Colossians church, they were struggling with, okay, what do I do with my life? Right, like they were being so tempted by other priorities and desires and worldviews, and Paul wants to make something really clear to them here. In the gist of this letter, Paul is saying very clearly that, you know what, there is a God. You are right, but there's only one God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. We know him in the person of Jesus, his son, who was there in the very beginning. He says he was first. He says that when God created everything, when he spoke the world in, through the word, through Jesus came everything. And then he, he loved us first. He sent Jesus for us and he went to the cross and he died and he ra was raised again. That's what Jesus did for you. And he's telling the church then, because of who God is, because of who Jesus is, he should be first in your life. And to those of us sitting here, those of us watching online, he's saying the same thing to the church in Col the Colossians church as he's saying to us, and that is, are you ready and are you willing to make Jesus first in your life? And he gives them, gives them some handles to grab onto in Colossians 3. If you're there, it's on verse 17. It's on the screen as well. And he says this in Colossians 3, verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, church, whatever you do, whether in work or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. He says, and whatever you do, whatever as in whatever you do, do it all in the name of of Jesus, man, whatever, like that's like everything. Like what is your, what's whatever in your life? Like what is the whatever that you do? What's your nine to five? What do you do during your nine to five? What do you do in your free time if you have any? What, what are your hobbies? What are your interests? What do you do on the weekends? What are the kind of relationships that you have? What are the responsibilities that you have? What, what is the whatever that you do? He says in whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's not kind of, kind of phrase we would normally think about or talk about, and I don't even fully understand it, to be totally honest, and thankfully there's people smarter than me that have written stuff to help me understand stuff. And I love the way that one scholar talks about it. It was really helpful to me. He said it this way. He said that to do something in someone's name means both representing them and being empowered to do it by them. That's super helpful. Right, to do something in someone's name, to do something on behalf of someone, it means first and foremost you're representing them. Right, if you're doing something on behalf of Adam, 
Hopefully you're doing it in a way that would represent Adam the way that I would want to represent myself. You're, you're representing me in a way that makes sense. You're not talking or acting in a way that's not the way I would act or talk or want to be perceived by people. But also you're doing it with my power, with my authority. I'm giving you permission to do this on my behalf. And what Paul's saying here is he's like, whatever it is that you do, whatever responsibilities you have or tasks you have or things you do in your time, whatever it is that you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it first and foremost in a way that would represent Jesus the way Jesus would want you to represent him. But also know that you do it with his power and his authority. That he's given you the keys to the car, but he's also the fuel in the tank. He says, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And then for the next few verses, he kind of gives us what this looks like in real life. See, Paul helps us understand that this is not just talking about churchy things. Can you hear me? This isn't, this isn't just talking about what you do on the weekends, on Sunday mornings. Paul's saying this is about your whole life. And in verse 18 through 22, he says things like, so for husbands and wives, this is what it looks like for you. For children to your parents, this is what it looks like for you. Servants to your masters, employees to your bosses, this is what it looks like for you to do this in the whatever you do of life. And then verse 23, he comes back to that phrase. Are you tired of me saying it yet? He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Give it everything you have. Put all of your energy to it. Can I say it this way? Whatever you do, do whatever it takes for that thing to be done, because you're working for the Lord, not for anyone else. You're working for the creator of the universe whose name is Jesus. That's who you're working for, so do whatever it takes. I love how it goes there, do you see it? He says, in whatever it is that you do, do whatever it takes, because you're doing it for Jesus. Then he says, verse 24, he kinda ends this thought idea with, since you know, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This phrase here, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. It looks like just a statement to us, but in that original language, this is a command. Like he's making it clear, you are serving God. You are serving the Lord Messiah. You are serving the one who is above all things. So of course you should do whatever it takes with all your strength and energy to serve him, to make him first, to make him first in everything, to make him first in your life. Jesus came first in the beginning, he went first on your behalf, and he wants to be first in every area of your life. As I was uh, thinking about Colossians 3, I, these bumper stickers started jumping into my head, which is a random thing to think about, but uh, I was thinking about these bumper stickers, maybe you've seen them too, or maybe you've seen them on like a sign or something, and I could try to explain them, but it's better just to show you. Have you seen these before? Maybe you have one, and I'm not trying to offend you if you do, okay? I'm just pointing them out. Uh, maybe you have something like this on your car, right? Faith, family, and football. Okay, we know what you're into, man. Go Cowboys. Uh, faith, family, and football. Or uh, I haven't seen this one before. This one's kind of funny. Have you seen this? on? Your, is this on your car? If it is, I might be judging you. Faith, family, and farm life. I, uh, I saw another one this week that I thought some of you would enjoy to see, so I took a picture of it, because I didn't think you'd believe me if I didn't take a picture of it. So I saw this on a car. Faith, family, and Hallmark movies. <laughs> Who would put that on their car? That is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. It's my car, okay, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's on my car, okay? Some context before you judge me, okay? First of all, I regret ever saying anything, because I'm never gonna let this down. Uh, I thought this was a safe place. Apparently it's not, okay? And uh, 
Second of all, I was sharing the idea with some of our staff team about like the bumper sticker thing, and next thing I know, one of our staff members, who I'll leave nameless for his own sake, uh, he might be controlling my microphone right now, uh, but he showed up to my house uh, with a, my own personal custom sticker. And you can't tell in this picture, but I'm being held against my will. I don't wanna be there. Uh, I'm really upset about it, uh, but it is still in my car, and that is my sweatshirt. But that is not the point of this moment. Now you're reading the sweatshirt, and you're like, I didn't even notice that part yet. But uh, it was a gift, okay? But I was thinking about these bumper stickers, because I feel like they're kind of like a funny way or maybe a unique way, that maybe you have one like this, and there's different versions of it, that people kind of like think about faith or they think about life. And I don't know where it happened. I think it's, it's happened for you probably too. It happened for me when I was new to faith, where uh, you start to realize that there's like this hierarchy of priorities. Like God is first. We say that, right? We say God is first, and then other things happen. And I don't know how you picture it. I kind of picture it like this on a pyramid. At least that's how I pictured it when I was learning faith or new to faith, and we're like, yeah, God is first. He, God is the first thing. He's most important, he is the priority, so he's above everything. And then kind of falls the other stuff, right? Family's usually second on people's lists like that. We see the teaching in the scripture about honoring your parents and with your spouse and with your kids, and, but our family's like a, a ministry for us and a first priority, and then we see we have all these other priorities, however you would write your list. And a quick side note here, what's interesting to me is that what I have found in my own life and in others is that we say this, we say that God is first and he's above everything, but if we were really honest and drawing out whatever our pyramid looked like, the, the God section has kinda gotten smaller and smaller over the years, kinda gets worked up on the triangle. Maybe it's because some other priorities were added in here or, or if we're really honest, we're like, hey God, you're first, you, you're my priority, you come first above everything, faith, family, and whatever, but I need to make sure these things are taken care of. Like I need to make sure I give my, my best and my energy into my family, to my kids, to my relationships, to, to my parents. I need to give my best to some of these other things that are happening in my life. And when those things are taken care of, God, you're still gonna be up top. It just might be a little bit smaller. But whatever else I have, God, it goes to you first. And, and again, God does teach, scripture does teach, right, that God is supposed to be above all else. We're supposed to seek him above all else. That is true. But we have to make sure we hear it here. We have to make sure we hear what Paul is trying to teach the church here, what he's trying to teach us here, is that Jesus wants to be first in everything, not just above all things. He wants to be first in every area of your life, in all of your priorities, in all of your responsibilities. He wants to be first there, not just above all of those things. Jesus gives us some rubber to road on what this looks like. He kind of helps us make sense of it in one of his teachings, and you don't have to turn there. It's in Matthew 6, though. It's gonna be on the screen in a minute. But Jesus is teaching his people what it looks like to be a follower of his, what it looks like to live in his world and live for his ways. And we actually, the, the same teaching that Jesus has given here, we, we talked about it last week if you caught it, and if not, make sure you go back and catch those. But Brian talked last week in Matthew 6 where Jesus is saying you can't love God in money, you can't serve two masters, you remember that? And right after that, Jesus finishes that thought by saying, hey, so don't worry about that stuff. Like, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or where you're gonna sleep. He says, don't worry about your bills. Don't worry about how you're gonna be clothed. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about your kid's future. Don't worry about that stuff. He says, look at, he says, look at the birds. They got plenty to eat. They have shelter. God takes care of them. He says, look at the flowers. They're beautifully clothed and taken care of. 
And God loves you so much than birds or flowers, so of course he's gonna take care of everything you need. He says, so don't worry, that's hard, Jesus. Chronic warrior's here. He says, don't worry. And look at the next thing he says. He says, because these things, these other priorities, being consumed by these other priorities on the pyramid, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Unbelievers get consumed with this stuff. He's like, all the things near the bottom of the pyramid, that's what unbelievers focus all their time and energy and thoughts on. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He's the God that created you and knows you. He knows everything you need. Okay, Jesus, so that's what unbelievers do. What do Christians do? What do followers of Jesus do? What do you... What are we supposed to do then? Well, he says it in the next thing out of his mouth. He says, so Christian, follower of Jesus, you seek the kingdom of God above all else. Your translation might say in your Bible, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, what do Christians do in this world, in this reality, in everything, in every area of their life? They seek first God's kingdom. They see the life that they're living through the lens of God and his kingdom Every priority that they have, every responsibility they have, every relationship they have, they look through the lens of seeing God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Seeing his values and his desires, his kingdom DNA in your life in every area, not just above all of the things. He says in all things and in all ways and in every relationship that you have, make him first. Okay, Jesus, we hear you, but how do we do this? How do we make you first in all these areas? Like, we're, we're trying. Like, this isn't meant to make you feel bad. Like, we're trying to do this, God. We wanna put you first. We're trying to declare that you're first. You're, you're here and you're gathering and you're worshiping and being with us because you want him to be first in your life and your family. So how do we do this, God? It's gonna sound like I'm making up the next thing I say and I don't blame you for not believing me, but it's true. You can look it up. There's these things called coconut monkey traps. You ever heard of this? You can look them up later. It's pretty funny. But uh, I heard about these things a long time ago and uh, basically in places around the world, where, some of you are still like, He's, this is a joke coming, it's a real thing. Uh, there's places around the world where they have to like capture monkeys because maybe they're overrunning a village or something. And they found that if they can take a coconut and they can drill a hole into it, and then inside the center of the coconut, they'll put like a fruit or food or sugar or something and like attach it to a tree. And these little monkeys will run up and they'll put their hand in the hole and they'll grab like the fruit stuff that's in there, but then they can't get their fist out of the hole. And they literally, they won't let go. They don't wanna let go of what's inside the coconut. So they'll just sit there holding onto this thing until the people come up and are able to catch them and grab them and trap them. They literally trap themselves with this coconut. And for us Midwestern country folk, maybe you know the same thing's true about raccoons, right? If you put like a shiny thing in a trap, they'll reach in there and they'll grab it and they don't wanna let go. Like these, these dumb monkeys and raccoons will literally like starve themselves because they don't wanna let go of what's inside of there. The irony is if they just let go, they could just pull their hand out, but they just, they don't wanna let go. And uh, recently I saw this video, it was like a, like a viral trendy thing on YouTube and there's a bunch of different versions of it, maybe you've seen it before. And basically it's this, uh, this challenge where there's a glass box and inside of this glass box there's a gold bar. And it usually uh, weighs a lot, it's like a pound or something and the challenge is that you have to reach in, the hole's just big enough to like put your arm in but then you have to grab this heavy bar of gold and pull it out. And if you can get it out of the hole, you win the money or whatever it's worth. But again, it's hard to get it out and it's hard to do it. And I, and I was watching this glass box challenge. And for some reason, these dumb monkeys, coconut traps came to my mind. And again, the challenge is fun. It's like a cool challenge. It makes for a great viral video. But I, but I was watching this thing and watching the people do this. And I just felt like there was like a kind of a metaphor or like a, of a greater narrative 
of a greater story kind of in our world today. See, I feel like we usually see life like there's this glass box. Wouldn't it be hilarious if I pulled this off and there's a monkey in here? Um, that would be illegal. Uh, but, <laughs> but as though like there's this glass box in our life. Like we look at our life and we look at the world as though there's this like thing in front of us. And inside of that glass box is our desire, some of our deepest desires and wants and priorities and dreams for the future. Things that we want badly, but we feel like there's like a barrier that's keeping us from them. See, inside of the box, we feel like are things like uh, that, that family that we desire, that perfect family, look at that, hashtag family goals. And uh, that family that we want, or uh, maybe for us it's the education. Like maybe we want that diploma on the shelf, or we want some certain uh, initials in front of our name, or the education for our kids, could it set them up for success that we want them to have in life? Or I know something that's in all of our boxes, I know for sure we all got stacks of this in there. If we could just have more and more of this, even I'm holding this right now, like I wish this was real money. And man, if we could just get that, and uh, the reason we want that though is because the, the life it would afford us, the kind of things that we want that it would afford us, if we could just get it somehow, we would, if we could just figure out our way to get to that thing in our life, we would, we would want it so bad because it can give us the, the house that we desire, the vacations we re- desire, the retirement. We would, it would give us that car, that dream car that we really want. Is this anyone else's dream car, anybody? 67 Ford Mustang, Shelby GT500, also known as Eleanor, anybody? No, okay. It's another movie reference, some of you got it, but uh, just me. And if I could say it this way, we, we would do whatever it takes to get the stuff that's in this box. Man, we would, we would fight for it and we would get to it. And we, if we could just get this stuff out, if we could just have these things, then life would have what we want for us. And it's so hard for us to just let them go. It's so hard for us to see them and to not know what to do. And I think the reason it's so hard for us to make him first in everything, see, is because if he was just above everything, right, if he was just at the top of our triangle, if we just put God first above everything, then all of this was up to us. Like, however we interact with all of these things, however we pursue these things, however we spend our time and energy on these things, that's on our our timetable and our desire because he's above everything, we put him first above everything, but, but Jesus is saying here, Paul's saying to the church here, no, I wanna be first in everything. I want you to make me first in all of these things. Paul says, church, don't you understand? He, he came first, he was first, he's the creator of all things. He should be first in your life, and Jesus is saying, hey, seek me first in all of these desires you have, and all these dreams that you have, see them through my kingdom lens, see them through my Perspective, And it's so hard to make him first because we know if we're gonna make him first, what that means for us, how we do that, is we have to be willing to let go. We have to be willing to lay those things down. We have to be willing to see him first, desire him first, and trust that he's a good God who knows what we need and be willing to lay those things down. And it's scary, because when we lay them down, we might not be able to pick them back up again. If we lay them down, maybe God doesn't want for me what I want. Maybe God doesn't give me exactly the way I want the thing that's in there, and we're scared that if we lay it down, someone else is gonna get it before us, or we're gonna run out of 
time. And I just see the box and I think about the way that we view our life and we view the things that we want most. And I see it in my own life and the things that I desire. And I think this is why it feels like our faith is competing with our other priorities and desires because giving it up or laying it down feels like it's in competition with us and what we want. But he says, what do followers of me do? They make him first. They make him first in everything. If I can make it personal for you, are there some dreams in your life right now? Are there some plans that you're making that he is not first in currently? Are, are there some priorities that you have that you're not looking at through the lens of making him first in that thing too? See, God, God wants his kingdom to come, his priorities, his value to be in everything that you do. And he wants us to be a people that when we see our home, when we see the way we raise our kids, we wanna see God's kingdom come into our household as it is in heaven. He wants to see our kingdom come, his kingdom come in our neighborhood as it is in heaven. He wants to see his kingdom come in your marriage as it is in heaven. He wants to see his kingdom come in your finances and in your career, in your workplace, in your future, in your retirement. He wants to see his kingdom come in those things too, not just above all things, but he wants to be first in everything. So is there a place in your life, is there an area in your life you're not making him first? That's why for the first couple weeks of the series, we hit so hard on finances. Why Jesus talks about it so much is because he knows that if you don't make him first in your finances, he's not gonna be first in the other areas of your life too. He says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's why with this commitment card that we've been talking about, we'll get back to it over the next couple weeks, it's the, the question for us, right? Is, if he is first, if we're making him first, or we're making him first here too, is he, are we giving him our first and our best? Are we showing in every area of our life, including our finances, that he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, everything in our life, all of our relationships, all of our priorities, whatever we do, people would know that he, he's what's first to us. He's what's first in my life. He gets the first and the best, not just whatever is left. And uh, one of the beautiful things about faith and what God does for us, one of his gifts of grace is that when we make him first, he gives back to us abundantly. We've said this before, and I wanna make it clear, right? We're not, we're not that church, we're not, we don't believe, right, that if you give back to God, if you pray to God, then he'll give you all of your wants and all of your desires that you could ever ask for. I'm just saying, I'm gonna take Jesus at his word. The verse we read just a moment ago in Matthew 6, 33, we read the first half of it, it says this, right? It said to seek first the kingdom of God above all else, to make him first in all things, make him first. But then the rest of the verse continues and he says, so then live righteously, live in my way, live the way that people in my kingdom do, and he, God, will give you everything you need. This is the promise of scripture, it's the promise of Jesus that when we make him first, God gives us everything we need. He is the God that created us. He knows us, he knows what we need. He takes care of all the birds and the flowers and everything else. He wants to take care of you too. He will give you everything you need. And for some of us and most of us, that is encouraging, but it's also a little scary because everything, he, everything we need, it might not be enough. There might be some things in our box that 
are more than just what we need. They're what we want and what we desire. We're like, God, are you gonna give us those things too? It seems like you're just promising to give us everything we need. And we know that God also at times gives us what we want and what we desire. But what he promises is that he'll give you everything you need. And is that going to be enough? You know, when we think of what God has done for us, it doesn't make any of these things in here bad. If anything, there's many times we could talk about each of these things and how there are ways that God wants us to use those for his kingdom and value those for him and use them in a way he would want us to use them. But it's are we seeking him first in it? Are we willing to let go and lay them down? See, because in God's eyes, we have to remember in God's eyes, there is no box for him. He is the creator of all things. He knows all things. He's asking us to make him first. And to make him first means we're willing to lay those things down. And it's not because he wants to take things from us. It's not because he wants to compete with our faith. He wants to just renew and make more fully our desires and our priorities. Because so often, you've heard this story, so often God then, once you seek him first and make him first, he wants to take those things. And now that you are open-handed, he can put those things into your hands. He can give you those things that he wants to give you. And man, when God puts something in your hands, it's very different than when you take it for yourself. Because now, instead of something you have to hold on to and to grasp onto, you see it as a gift from God. You see it as something that was given to you, out, and you can find more joy and more purpose in it. And you, you can steward it the way God would want you to. He says, I want you to be a people who seek me first. Make me first. You're open-handed before me. That you desire the kingdom to come my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you make him first? Are you ready and willing to do whatever it takes to continue seeing his kingdom come in your life, in your family, in your world, in his world, in our city, in our church, as it is in heaven by making him first? One of the things I love about uh, this series, one of the things I love about this these six weeks is that we're gonna hear stories from people in our church just like you. People who have made him first in their life. People who have seen God's faithfulness show up time and time again. And they now get to share their story, their testimony of his goodness, of what he's done, and, and how that makes them excited for what God is doing next. So uh, this morning we get a chance to uh, listen to the Hendrix story. So will you listen in with me? been at First Christian for almost 30 years now. I love to come in the church on Sunday morning and the building is alive with people. Parents and children, old and young, talking to each other, hugging. The fellowship and the happiness is amazing. I think what I love most about our church is that we don't just function as a church inside the building. With chaplaincy at the hospital, with vacation Bible school out in the neighborhoods and just on and on and on. I'm proud of our church and it makes me happy that we don't keep this to ourselves. We really try to share the, the, the wonder of this church. When I hear whatever it takes, I think about the world we live in now, how sad it makes me, and I think about what our church could do to affect that. It's all about reaching other people and telling them about Jesus Christ. That's it. 
and we should be willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. If there's anything we really want to happen, you have to be committed, you have to be focused, and you have to stay with it. Whatever it takes, we're gonna make this happen, and it's gonna be God's will. I trust the leaders at First Christian Church. They have proven themselves over the years to be good stewards of the tithes and offerings. I believe the leaders know that they're caretakers of the funds that we have given, and it's God's money. One of the reasons it's very comfortable to give to First Christian Church is to see what they do with the money. The programs, the outreach across the ocean, children's programs has grown. The involvement within the community that First Christian has definitely shows that the monies are used wisely and, and to God's glory. I think something happens to your heart when you give willingly and happily. You learn how to be more content with what you have and it does something to your heart where you want to share those gifts with other people. It excites both of us to do that. God has given us everything we need and more. It ends up being pretty impressive when we take the time to really stop and think about how he's blessed us. If you gave me a $10 bill and you said, would you mind tithing? I'd only have to give you a dollar back. I still have $9. It doesn't seem like that much when I think of it that way. It's that simple. When I think about the future of First Christian, it's really exciting. And I think, what will they do next? I think our church thinks big. It excites me and makes me want to be involved in that. We're seniors, but we're not done. We're looking for ways that we can be involved and be a part of things. Who knows what's going to happen? It's kind of exciting. It's not boring by any means. And so far as what God wants from us, we pray consistently. We do in our Bible study every day. We, we pray, God, use us as you will. And we wait for him to send us on a mission. But we always are confident that if he asks us to do something, he'll give us the tools and the ability to do it. And I think the church thinks the same way. Growth can be exciting, but it can be scary too. And our church is willing to step out there and listen to God's call and put that fear aside and just trust in God and move forward. Welcome, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> we're growing, we're doing, things are happening.